our scheme is not a spread or, or a pro style or, you know, the old formation, wing T, single. It's none of that. Our scheme is our kids. Our scheme is what can our kids do. I think a lot of coaches get lost in the fact that they're single dimensional in what they can coach. So someone is sending you their kid and you can only do one thing one way where you're limiting yourself, you're going to limit someone's kid. I don't, I don't think that that's, that's fair to the kid. I'm joined today by another member of the Dave Campbell 40 under 40 class in Texas high school football. And this coach, CJ Wilson had an incredible career as a player at Baylor. He was the Thorpe award winner. He was an all American inducted into the Baylor sports hall of fame, went on to play in the NFL for the Panthers and the Cowboys. And now in his seventh year of coaching third, at Grapevine Faith Christian School, Coach C.J. Wilson. Coach, it's great to have you here today. Brother, I'm, I'm blessed to be on, man. Ready to have some fun with you. We've described already you've done a lot as a player, and now you're back in the game as a coach. What was it for you that made you want to go into coaching? My wife. <laughs> my wife. After my NFL career stopped, I, I took a year off to get my mind and my body back and I still had a semester and a half left before I graduated and her and my mom actually encouraged me to go back to school and finish my degree and while I was um, finishing that finishing that up at Baylor my wife was the one that was like hey you still got a lot to give to the game a lot more than just playing the game it's a lot of things that you've been blessed to know and do and you know relationships that you have and the way you can connect with kids and people you know, don't just leave that at home for me and get on my nerves, you know. So <laughs> she's like, you should try coaching. And I took her advice and I thank God for it and thank her and my mom and my dad and my pastor and my brothers for their support because um, it's led us to this point. But, yeah, my wife was definitely the one that kind of pushed me in that direction. And it's been a, a fantastic blessing. As you look at it, you've had a, a lot of great mentors in the game, certainly as a player, as you got into the coaching side and made that shift from being a player to the coach. Who who were some of your mentors on that side of things? Oh, Lord. My my coaching tree, man, runs all the way back to Chuck Knoll and the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers of old for the younger guys who don't know who Chuck Knoll is. The Steel Curtain, the Mean Joe Green, their head coach, that guy. John Fox, man. John, John Fox was outstanding for me. He was the guy that drafted me to Carolina. I had a chance to learn the game professionally from him. In college, my position coach was Wesley McGriff, which everybody calls Crime Dog, who's done a phenomenal job coaching in college and had a stint in the NFL for the uh, New Orleans Saints. He was my position coach. My coordinator was Wild Bill Bradley. I think Coach Bradley still owns the interception record or, or is in the top five interception record in NFL history. He was Lawrence Taylor before Lawrence Taylor. He just did his in the secondary, but some of the same stuff, that made Lawrence Taylor great is what, you know, Wild Bill Bradley was. And that was my defensive coordinator at Baylor. And in high school, Tom Ed Gooden, may he rest in peace. He was my head coach in high school, the guy who gave me a chance to play football because I only played my senior year of high school football. And uh, Doc Ryan was my position coach, who's coached four guys into the NFL. And so those guys on that end, man, they, they blessed me tremendously to be able to learn the, learn the game the way that I have. John Fox comes from underneath the Chuck Noll tree. So the same thing that Chuck Noll taught him, I was one of those guys that learned from Coach Fox, a lot of direct information from Coach Fox. 
Um, Donnie Shell, who was implemented into the NFL Hall of Fame last year, was my NFL dad. He still is my NFL dad. I have, you know, his jersey with the four, the, uh, with his championship rings and his last year of coaching, teaching in the NFL as a player, player development guy. He calls me his last NFL son. And so I have his stuff. I mean, his, his, the lessons he taught me are priceless. I'll take those with me. Rob Ryan with the Cowboys, man, he was the guy that taught me the game from a different perspective. I was there a short time, but I spent a lot of time just learning from Rob what his dad, Buddy Ryan, taught him. I still have that whole, you know, I still have the playbook. I'm not talking about just the 46 defense. I'm talking about everything that Buddy Ryan taught. So, like I said, my, my coaching tree, man, on both sides of the spectrum uh, runs pretty deep with uh, Guy Morris as my head coach at Baylor. So that's going all the way back to the Patriots and what he learned from them. And, you know, Tony Dungy learning, you know, at his feet. Donnie Shell was Tony Dungy's best man in his wedding. So getting a chance to learn the ins and out of cover two and just defense from Tony Dungy himself, man. So, yeah, I got a lot of great coaches that have, you know, had a hand on my actually learning and humbling process to lead men. So I'm thankful for that. Well, in that regard, you have certainly an incredible wealth of football knowledge that you've gained from them. But for you, it wasn't necessarily that, you know, I'm going to, my biggest want and desire is to teach these guys the game of football only that there's a lot that goes beyond that. And it's something that has been impactful to you and obviously something you want to pass on to the guys you coach. So talk to us a little bit about that side of things. John Fox gave me the opportunity to become a player coach in the locker room. I going to my third year, third and fourth year um, in Carolina. He pulled me into the office one day. We had a conversation and he let me know that he wanted me to take a bigger role in the room. And I'm in the room with a $53 million man and Chris Gamble and <laughs> second-round draft pick and uh, Richard Marshall and, and uh, Ken Lucas. So I'm in the room with a lot of veterans. But the way that I studied the game and the way that I interacted with my teammates, that allowed for me to understand what it was like to be able to teach and relate to guys. And so one of the things that I drew back from that when I began to go through the process of coaching was not just seeing it from an X and O's perspective, but what is the best way – to think as a player what's the best way to respond as a player I've been blessed to be the guy who got kicked out of athletics a guy who's led back in athletics the the kid that had to earn his way back in the kid who was a sideline player the kid who was a role player a star a starter every aspect of the game that a player could go through I played those roles in my career and so what I did was I humbled myself to the fact that I want to be that type of coach that I don't want to just call kids out. I want to call kids up. And so what I want to do is the way to coach, I want to be coached. And that's going to vary because I like being, as, as I've, I've said, you know, the different guys that impacted me, it wasn't the same coaching style. It was a coaching style that was, this is how I would respond if I was this player. So you got to be you got to be diverse in your style of coaching. You can't just have one method because you're going to have a diverse style of kids. So you got to be able to relate to all of those kids. So that's what I drew from them in order to help me become a better coach. Is you can't be one way. You know, even money has inflation. That's attached to it. <laughs> so its value goes up and down. And so it's the same way that I coach. I understand that one coaching style is going to hit inflation. I just got to be able to transition and use a different style of a different currency in order to win over kids. Definitely want to dig into 
the, the teaching side of things here in a little bit, but I think all of that starts with a mindset and being the head coach, you're going to set that mindset for the program. So for you, what is the mindset and approach to this game and how do you pass that along to your players? Well, we lead, we lead with love, brother. That's my coaching style. What I lead with is love. I, what I lead with is, is with God. And there's, there's two elements of love. It's, it's charity and it's discipline. Charity is what you give and discipline is what you restrict. And so when you do that and you show kids that, yeah, there's a love you got to have for this game, but there's parameters within it. You can teach men how to love through a game that's violent. And that's that for me, like, you know, X's and O's, putting people in, in positions to win, I do that because I love them. And within those positions, I give them parameters. Like, okay, this is as far as this can go, the discipline of it. So that's pretty much, man, my coaching style is that. I don't, you know, I teach my uh, my coaches first, and then, you know, my coaches teach my kids. Is Our scheme is not a spread or, or a pro style or, you know, the old affirmation, wing T, single, it's none of that. Our scheme is our kids. Our scheme is what can our kids do. I think a lot of coaches get lost in the fact that they're single dimensional in what they can coach. So someone is sending you their kid and you can only do one thing one way where you're limiting yourself. You're going to limit someone's kid. I don't, I don't think that that's, that's fair to the kid. I think you should learn how to be diverse. You have to be diverse as a man. You got to be able to do different things as a man to be successful as a man, especially in this world. So it's the same thing. If your kid can't be in a spread offense, then me as a coach, I got to find a, a better way to put that kid in a position to win. I can't ask the kid that loves chemistry, ask him to go and do, you know, biz, be a business major because I want him to make more money. He may make money, but he's going to be miserable in life, and that's going to affect people that surround him. Why not get him to be the best chemist that he can be and then operate within that world? I look at it from that perspective, man, we're dealing with kids, and I thank God to this point we've been successful at doing it. Well, and really what's coming through there is that your your approach is to put all these guys in a position to use what they have, to put them in a position of success. And you've talked about some of the great teachers that you had and, and their yeah. approach to the game. And you mentioned the flexibility in it, right? And knowing yeah. how you coach a certain kid. So in, in looking at, at doing that and certainly passing it along because you coach the coaches too, right? Passing that along to your guys so mm -hmm. that you make sure they carry it out. What are yep. some of the key things you're focused on in that regard? I focus on with my coaches. I, I give them freedom. That's one of the big things that a lot of coaches, man, and I've, and I've listened to your podcast. I, I love it, by the way. Let me go ahead and just send that shout out. I love, I love what you guys are doing over here, man. One of the things that, and some of your coaches have run into this, and I've seen this happen in a lot of different places, I give my coaches freedom. If I trust you enough to be in a position to do what you do, I'm going to let you do what you do. I'm not going to micromanage you. I'm not going to look over your shoulder. I'm not here to protect my job. That's not my job at all. My job is to do my job by being the overseer of this program, but at the same time, it's to make sure that I grow coaches just like I grow kids, and that comes with giving them freedom. So that's, that's one of the key ways to get coaches to understand that they need an opportunity to be free to let their gifts come forward. That benefits the whole program. If it's something that you got to kind of, you know, pull a guy to the side and be like, hey, no, this is the way we want to do it, that's fine. But you will see men expand when they're free. 
And that's one of the things, you know, one of the first things I told my coaches is, fellas, I didn't come here to restrict you. I didn't come to set you back. I didn't come to demand it be my way. I came to set you free and the gifts that you have in your coaching styles. And I've seen coaches grow into the type of coaches that they want to be. And in return, brother, what happens is I have their wives come to me and say, hey, you know, I've had two, two of my coaches' wives come to me in tears saying, thank you. We appreciate you. I finally, I finally get a chance to know my husband again. He's not up at the building all night. He's not, you know, losing his mind. Like he, we actually go on dates now. You know, he can go to different family activities and season, you know, and still be able to get his work done. Why? Because I give my coaches freedom to coach the way that they coach. We get the job done. We make sure we get the jobs done. But then they're free to be men first. They're free to be husbands first. They're free to be fathers first. And I'm a huge advocate of that. Thanks to uh, Tony Dungy taught me the four elements of that. I even got a fine system with my coaches where if they're here too long, I'll find them. <laughs> and, so, and so they know, get your work done, not to rush you, get it done. But get home, get acclimated, and if you need to do something while you're there, that's fine. But be present at home, man. That's that's more important. Well, I, I love that approach to it, and you get to set those guys up for success too by putting together the structure and, as you said, the fine system being part of it, making sure that they're able to be great husbands and fathers first. Uh, but certainly, you want to set them up up for success as teachers and coaches too. So, you know, as we're heading into camp right here. What's a typical day look like for you from let's let's just start right now with, you know, beginning of the day, meeting room, classroom, whatever format you're going to use for your guys. What does that look like for you guys at uh, Grapevine Faith? Uh, It's beautiful. And thank you for asking that. We're actually in it right now. We're in in camp right now. So we start at seven o'clock in the morning to wake up breakfast. And that goes to 745 at 8 o'clock. We start our defensive meetings. Then we switch over to our offensive meetings at, at 820. 820 to 850, brother, we got, you know, offense. And after offense, we do our pre-practice for 10 minutes to 9 o'clock. From 9 to 1130, we practicing. At 1135 to 1150, we're in our sand pit. We, go, we finish our practice in the sand pit, working on our, our ACLs, our PCLs, our MCLs ankle strengthening work, adjusting slightly, adjusting majorly. All of the work that we didn't get in while you're working on football, we still got to work on the injury prevention type stuff. So we go from the sand pit to right now we're at lunch from 12 to 2. From 1 to 2 o'clock, we normally have a meeting, but um, I've already had to meet with my coaches, so everybody get downtime. From 2 to 2.50, special teams meeting. We take a um, a 10-minute break. From 3 to 3.30, we go back to our offensive meeting. Then we do our install. We go back over again. We walk through it. We put it on the board for the kids, let them know, hey, this is what we're looking at. This is what we're going to walk out and actually do. Then after that, we go into our pre-practice, 345 to 4. From 4 to 530, because of the rules here in Texas, we can only have them outside for a max of two hours. So I only take an hour and a half just in case kids want to get some extra done after we're done. Then after that, we do injury prevention, getting the kids in the cold tubs, after everything is over with, we do different work with the shoulders, different work with the hands, different work with the neck, different work with the hips, hamstrings, whatever little nook or cranny you may have, we work on that for a 20-minute block after that. And then we send the kids home for them to have dinner. 
Normally we would be at uh, Dallas Baptist University where we keep them on campus and we do swimming pool work, all different type of work, man, uh, to rejuvenate our athletes. We do team devotionals, but that's normally where the day goes. So from seven in the morning, usually like seven o'clock at night, brother, we're going with a break in between. Yeah, well, and it's very comprehensive approach in that you're looking at every aspect of how you develop this athlete, uh, you know, mind, body, and spirit, developing the mind part of it, right, that football IQ. You've certainly sat in a lot of meeting rooms, classrooms, with some great men in front of you. So for you, what makes a good classroom session for a football player? It's got to be safe to learn first. It's got to be safe to learn. Quite often as teachers and as coaches, we forget that you got to make it safe to learn. If, if kids come in tight and nervous and you don't break that ice for them, then they're probably not going to be as receptive to learn. If a kid is tight and, and are young or is going through something at home, because we got to be a psychiatrist, a therapist, we got to be all these different things that's not on the paperwork or contracts that we sign. <laughs> so when a kid walks into your room, you have to be comfortable enough to break that ice. And you got to know what that icebreaker is. Once you break that ice, you have to reinforce them, look, this is our chapel. This is our sacred area. All right. What we talk about in here is what we talk about in here. Whatever we talk about in here doesn't leave here. If so, you got to deal with me. Or you can find one of the guys that you've had for years that understands the way that you think. And you say, hey, this is, this is you know, if something goes left or goes wrong in here, this guy right here is the guy that y'all going to have to deal with. And every team has that guy that people don't want to deal with. So when you said it like that and, you, you know, you let guys know that these are the parameters, with that being said, you know, a lot of times what I do is I'll ask my kids, like I coach my quarterbacks, I'll ask them like, okay, what do y'all want to do? Tell me what type of offense you want to run. And it's a complete – like it changes the mindset because now the kid, instead of coming in thinking, well, coach is going to teach me, the kid is thinking, oh, well, coach is giving me ownership. And even if they don't know, you know, you just start, you know, kind of, well, tell me what kind of things you like, what, what kind of routes you like to throw or, or how much you think we should run the ball versus pass the ball. When you do those little things, the kid starts to come around. You're inviting him in. And so you start, we tailor make our stuff to what our kids can do well and how they think. So the teaching environment is safe for the kid to feel like I'm safe saying what I know and what I don't know. It's cool for me to say this and still have the proper respect for my coach to be able to go out and execute because if the kid goes out and doesn't get done what he needs to do, he's going to reflect back on what coach gave you ownership for you not only to be taught but also for you to teach. So that makes the transition of leadership easier because guys are taking ownership. That's the teaching environment that yields the greatest results. Is ones that the kids, the people, actually feel safe within the confines to be expressive with who they are. Taking that out to the field, you've already mentioned that you're limited in time, right? So you've got to be very efficient. So individual yep. periods, what's the best individual period for you? And especially because, again, you've done this for years. You, you were a guy who made it to the highest level and extended that career. So what's going to make you most effective as a player? What's going to make me most effective is coach understanding when I need more individual time, when I need group time, and when I need team time. And it'll fluctuate. So one of my jobs is, you know, I start out by giving the offensive line. Now the offensive line coach is going to smile when they hear this. I'm used to giving the offensive line coach 
a whole bunch of time because they never feel like it's enough. You can say we got a two-hour practice. They're going to want 159 minutes of ending. <laughs> That's just how they operate. So <laughs> I strategically set practice up in certain ways to make sure that the guys who feel like they need more time, they get it. And so I watch how, the, how that particular group produces. Certain groups like, uh, let's say, like uh, the DBs, they don't necessarily want a lot of individual time. They prefer the group time where I can do like one-on-ones. But they need the individual time in order to learn what they got to do in one-on-ones. So we just make it to where I just want you to work on this one thing today. I'm not worried about you getting beat today. I'm just worried about you actually keeping your eyes on the hill until you get a hand on or staying in phase and not looking back until you can get a hand on linebackers well, coach, how long do you need about, oh, about 15 minutes. Okay. I'm going to give you that. The next day he may need 20 minutes. The day after that, he may need only about 10 minutes. So I'm constantly communicating with my coaches about what they need. We'll have a time block, but I, but our schedule fluctuates according to the needs of our kids. Instead of just saying, oh, we got two hours. We're going to do it like this. We're going to do it like this. We're going to do it like this. No. Offense sometimes got to give, and I know some offensive coaches are going to be upset. Yeah, offensive coach, sometimes you got to give 10 minutes to the defense. It don't matter if you can score 70 points. If you're giving up 71, you're not that good at what you do. How about is it wrong for you to take about 30 points and then just run and then actually like ball control to help the defense out? Maybe give 10 minutes to the defense to help them out or – take five extra minutes, give it to the defense, and then five extra minutes to give to the punt team to actually help the defense, stuff like that. So as a coach, I, I, I don't think that we should be as stagnant in what we do. Be flexible because your kids are flexible, and if you're a flexible coach, you, you can make it all work even with a particular time block. That's the best way to actually get the individual work out of your kids and your coaches is to be flexible enough to change to their needs. It sounds like you pay a lot of attention to – complimentary football right what each side of the ball needs how special teams work into that so as you guys get into game weeks what's the structure you put in place that you're able to figure those things out so you know how to plan practice I get with my coordinators and they let me know what they need or what they think they need I'll go back in and watch everything all over again and then again and again and I just look for the details of what we need to coach in particular my coaches will take the big picture of it, and I'll let them work within the framework of their gift. And then the minute details of certain things, I'll just walk by and say, hey, this guy's going to be doing this, this, and this. I know coach told you to do that, so take what coach said and then add this to it and watch what happens. And you see the light bulbs go off for kids. And so, and I'll prep. That's literally what our prep is, is the coaches sit down. We throw out ideas. We're all in a room together. As head coach, I'm not in another room. You know, I'm in the same room with my coaches. And so while they're going over things and talking about certain keys and stuff like this, everybody in the room is getting better as a coach. So my defensive line coach is also learning from the receivers coach. And I love that element. Yeah. That's great. Because looking at evaluation of players and how that's handled, I think feedback is so important to your culture. Right. It can certainly be yeah. done the wrong way, which is going to tear things apart. But talk to us about your philosophy and, and what you feel is the best way to evaluate players and give them feedback. I'm of the mindset that what we set for them, what we what we particularly set for them, we gave that first. And, and, I, and I'm a firm believer in this. 
before we can evaluate the kids, we have to we have to gauge them for what what they actually can do, not necessarily for what we want them to do. The greatest drawbacks I ever had in my career, both as a player first and as a coach, was like, does coach really know what I can do? See, that's hard when you really when you really sit down and think about it, even us coaches. If we go back in our mind and think about when we were being coached, how often were did our coach actually stop and ask us, well, say, man, what can you do? You start eliminating a lot of coaches, and that don't mean that they were bad coaches. It was just perhaps that the way that they was evaluating us wasn't correct or it could have been better. And so that's what we do. We look for our kids to see what they actually can do, and then we, we take the, the minute details of that, and then we progress our kids to a point, and then we set our expectations for them of consistency. I'm not going to set an expectation for a kid to be something that's kind of unrealistic for him. I set expectations for our kids for something that they have shown me they can do, what I believe that they can do, and more importantly, how consistent they can do that thing. That's the real outlook that you're going to get on a season. The success of our season may not be winning a, a state championship. The success of our season very well may be, are we getting these young guys to consistently hit the mark of consistency so when next season comes, I can expect a state championship out of them. That's how you evaluate players is take the minute detail and go up. Don't give them something that's outstanding. That they, they won't meet that mark. And then that's how you send kids into depressive-type states or saying that they may not even want to play the game anymore is because they don't feel like they can meet those expectations. That's how we evaluate from that point going up, the simple things. Coach, you certainly put a lot of thought and detail into everything that you do, and you shared a, a lot of that here in our short time today. But you know, if you were to look at the one thing you do as a coach that gives your players the winning edge, what is that one thing? I give them love, brother. My kids know that at the end of the day, they have me. They know at the end of the day, they have our coaches. They know at the end of the day, they're going to have our best. And that's what gets our guys to buy in day in and day again and again. And that's what gives us our greatest success. Coach, I know you're going to be busy here during the season, but I'm sure some guys are going to want to reach out and learn a little bit more about what you do in the off season. What's the best way to connect with you? You can contact me at cj.wilson at grapevinefaith.com. That's direct to my email. I can deal with that. My Twitter, and I'm I'm terrible with that. But it's if I'm not, I think CJ CJ Wilson at or C Dub C Will three two seven, something like that. It's it's on Twitter. I don't really know. The kids be telling me like, Coach, you got to get better at that. The best way for me is just to do it through email. You can contact me directly, and we can go from there. Really appreciate you taking some time out here from camp and. Certainly would love to have you back in the off season and maybe dig into uh, some of the things we talked about here. So best of luck to you and Grapevine Faith in 2022. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, brother. And Tom, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.